Friends, I want to invite you to grab your Bible. We'll be in a number of passages of Scripture in uh, the Gospels today. The first one I want you to turn to is John chapter 15. We'll be in John chapter 15, and then we'll bounce around to a few more. Coming back to our series that we started at a, uh, about a month or so ago of, of you've got questions, he's got answers. Oh, you have had good questions. But he's had even better answers. As we set out from the beginning, when God's Word speaks clearly, we're going to allow God's Word to be the only source that we go to. When it appears that God's Word does not speak clearly to the question or to the issue, we're going to look at God's Word for principles in His Word that apply to that question or that issue. And, and if we find that God's Word appears to be silent, then we may give an opinion, but we're really not interested in our opinions as much as we are in what Jesus has to say. You've asked so many great questions, and some of them I'll be able to address in the weekend service, but some of them I will respond, and I will put a posting out in the foyer and let you see some responses of God's Word to those types of questions. But this morning is the question that I saved to the end is one of my favorite questions that was asked. The person who asked the question, if you're here today, you didn't write your name, so I'm not going to embarrass you because I don't know who you are. I think, by a couple other questions that were attached to it, that it most likely is one of our students who asked the question. But the question that was asked is this, what does a life of surrender look like? And then I kind of paraphrase this next piece. They said, no, tell me really what I'm supposed to do every single day. So what does a life of surrender look like practically day to day? We talk a lot about being a spirit-filled people, about being a people who, who are born again and a people who are sanctified holy. We talk a lot about having the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life. We talk about living a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit, surrendering to Him. And the question is asking us, what does that life look like? Practically, day to day, what an excellent question. Here's why I think the question is is excellent. There is hope, there is victory in the answer to this question. In fact, if we don't understand this question, we we will be missing the hope and victory that Jesus has given to us. He came to this world to give us life, to give us life to the full. It's not just he wants to give us freedom from from hell, but he wants to give us freedom in his spirit right here and right now. What does that look like? Well, here's the short answer, okay? If you'd like to take notes, grab your pen, and we're going to go through pretty quick on some of these. Remember, you know the rule by now. If you don't like to take notes, then don't. This is only if it blesses your learning style. If that didn't help your learning style, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm too cool to take notes. You do it for me. That's okay. But if it blesses you, then let that be a help to you. The first thought is this in the short answer. We are to abide or to remain in Christ. What does it look like to live a life of surrender day to day? Well, the the short answer is we need to abide or remain in Christ. John chapter 15 verse 4 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Maybe your translation says, abide in me and I will abide in you. What does it look like to be surrendered daily? It's to be in Christ, to abide in Him, to remain in Him. Anything other than that is not this victorious life. Also, verse 9, we begin to see that 
Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you again. Now remain in my love. That's what he tells us to do. That's that surrendered life. That's the victorious life that we talk about a lot in our faith tradition. Now, don't misunderstand this. This is not a a Nazarene doctrine. This is a Bible doctrine. This is a, a Jesus doctrine. The Lord has just raised up our tribe to emphasize what he offers and wants for every single follower of him. This is for every single believer to live the surrendered life, the victorious life, the sanctified life, the set-apart life for Him. How? How how is this? Well, another piece to the short answer is love Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's straight from Matthew 22, 37. It's, It's over here. It's so important to us that we want you to see it all the time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. To remain in Christ, to abide in Christ, this is a surrendered life. You love Him with everything you've got. Not just enough to get by, but everything. Every ounce of your being. Okay. Well, and the third part of this short answer, you go, well, this answer's not very short. Well, it's as short as I can make it. Is if you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. John 15, verse 10 we see here, if you, oh, excuse me, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. John 15, 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. It's not enough to just hear the command of the Lord. It's not enough just to listen to Jesus. It's to obey Jesus. So how do I live the surrendered life? Remain in Christ, abide in Christ. How? Love Him with every ounce of your being. How? Love Jesus means I obey Jesus. That's the short answer. God bless you. You can go home. No. You know me better than that. I got a long answer in me as well as a short answer. But I think we have to look at the short answer first because this isn't complicated. We don't have to have a lot of time to answer the question. It's very simple. Remain in me and I will remain in you. How do I live daily surrendered? Continue to stay in him, abiding in him. How love him with every ounce of my being. How it should be smelling of obedience everywhere. Well, that's what the text says. But sometimes people like me need a little word picture, a little object. So still in the short answer. Here's what happens. This chair represents the power seat of your life, the the throne of your life. And and we're going to put a a letter S on here. And this represents self. This is your power seat. And this is the life of someone who does not know Christ. They sit on the throne and Christ is nowhere in their life. And as, as Christ is not in their life, it's evident because they don't, they don't say they believe in Him. They don't trust in Him. They, they are not a believer. We, we've drawn this picture a gazillion times with the three hearts. And those of you who have been in the, the 201 class, we've gone through this. And on Sunday morning, we've gone through this again. But it's helpful to get into our mind what this looks like for a surrendered life. This is not a surrendered life. This is a life that's apart from Christ. There's no salvation in this person. self is ruling. Christ is nowhere in their life. But here's what happens. When someone comes to the Lord and says, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins, the things that I've said and done wrong. 
and I recognize my sin separates me from you, and I, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to come into my life. And when Jesus comes into our life, we invite him into our life, and he's there, and Christ resides in our home, in our life. He is resident, but, but he is not fully in charge. Something often happens when we begin to think that, well, I want Jesus in my life, and, you know, he's maybe in charge of some things, or the big things, but not everything. In fact, you know, I, I try to maybe even share a little bit of this. Jesus, you know, I, I'm not that, I'll share a little bit. You know, I may even move a position, and you know what, Jesus, let's do this together. You and I, this is good. But here's what happens. Whenever we view life, I lost my other piece here, where'd it go? Whenever we view life like this, I don't care what you call it, there is conflict. There is an ongoing battle and struggle, conflict in that life. Because self is still on the throne. And until we surrender to Christ, His Lordship, allowing Him to take the primary seat, we don't just disappear. We come down at the foot and then conflict is gone. This is a picture of what it looks like to live a surrendered life to the Lord daily. Now, sometimes when we come to this, we go, okay, God... I want to surrender everything. And I'm going to write out ten things that I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you my job. I'm going to give you my money. I'm going to give you my spouse. I'm going to give you my kids. I'm going to give you my future. And and we start feeling pretty good about these things. And so we fill out this contract. And then we sign our name at the bottom. And we say, Jesus, I've given it to you. And I believe Jesus looks at that and says, Oh, that is so good. Thank you, Brady. But i got a better idea. Why don't you just sign your name here at this contract that I have prepared for you? And Jesus hands me a contract, and it just says at the top, contract of my life, and then there's nothing written there. And he just wants me to sign the blank check. And Jesus says, that's right. I'll fill in the details later. You just need to say yes to me, and then you consecrate your life, and everything comes under my authority. That's a word picture. We've seen this before. It's when we've talked about that little parable of little King Will where Jesus comes in and is going to be the ruler of Will's kingdom, but he doesn't kick Will out. He says it's your job to go to your three advisors, your mind. It's, it's your job to go to your emotions. It's your job to go to your desires and take everything that they give you as a thought, everything they give you as a feeling, everything they give you as a want, and, and bring it to me, make it subject to me, and let me speak truth to it. And when our will, the decision seat of our life, we don't just do nothing, we disappear. No, no, no. We take every thought captive, every feeling captive, every desire, every want captive and say, Jesus, what if this is true? What if this is a lie? And when he speaks that, that is daily surrendering to Jesus. Okay. That maybe helps me understand those three things a little bit better. But I hear the voice of the person who asked me the question, Pastor Brady, I said specifically, I said daily, and these are good broad pictures, but, but what do I do to do that? What does it look like? And, and I'm so glad they asked because I believe this is so powerful for all of us. So as we jump into a little bit of the, the more extended answer, it's this. What does it look like to have a daily relationship with Jesus? Now, I don't want you to focus on these specific points that I give to you, but because this is not the only way to have relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father. But friends, I challenge you, which one of these five aspects of relationship of Jesus 
do you think we don't need? So just chew on that as we go through these together. The first one is this. Daily, a person who's living a life surrendered to Jesus needs to know who Jesus is. Knowing who Jesus is, we look at the question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked this question where and who did he ask it to? It's in Matthew 16, 13 through 15. He's talking to the disciples and, and he goes to the disciples and he says, hey, hey guys, I know there's a buzz on the street about me. What are people saying? Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're a, you're a prophet, a good teacher. Some say you've got a demon in you. Some say that you're, you're John the Baptist. And, and then they listed all these things that, that some people would say about Jesus. But then Jesus just slows down and catches each of their eye. And he says, but guys, who do you say that I am? Why would Jesus ask this question to his disciples? I don't think this is a a random question. And that verse we just talked about when we prayed, John 6.33, I tell you these things so that... See, Jesus was speaking with a purpose. He didn't just... I'm going to tell you about mosquitoes today just because this is what Wikipedia brought up and we just want you. No, no, no. He's speaking for a very clear purpose and he has hope to give to us. And he says, hey, hey, guys, who do you say that I am? What, Jesus? No, 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 no. It's going to help you. You need this. To live a daily surrendered life, daily, you need to acknowledge who I am. Because when you understand who I am, it changes everything else about how you live. If I am just some distant God, then it will change how you live. If I am just a man, if I am just a story, if I'm just a good moral principle, if I'm like just some fable that was shared somewhere, if I'm just a fairy tale, it will change how you live your life. But if you understand who I am, I'm going to help you understand who you are. So we look at some of these things and we see the importance of understanding who Jesus is. Friends, I'm convinced that many Christians or people who call themselves a Christian, live and they're not even really sure if Jesus is that real. Now, I'm not saying that the Lord is not big enough to handle our doubts, but friend, if, if I'm not clear on who He is, I can't live this surrendered life daily. There will be a lightning bolt in my life. There will be a conflict. And for some of us, it may even be hard to have Christ in our life. And so there is victory. There is hope. There is healing. How in the world can you come to a moment like this week when you see terror going all over the place and you could claim that promise to be yours? In you, Jesus, there is peace. You saw the same images that I saw. Peace. When all that stuff's going on? I've heard the story that you've told me of what's going on in your life. Peace, then, who do you say that I am? In me, there is peace, Jesus says. See, when we begin to understand who he is, we know that it changes our talk. It changes the way I speak. If I know who Jesus is, and not just here in my head, but in my heart, I begin to have a relationship with him, that relationship will change the way I talk. It will change my self-talk. It will change what I'm confident in and what I'm not confident in. It will change what I value about myself and what I don't value about myself. Some of us, we have a very unhealthy self-esteem. 
We just think that we are trash and garbage. And Jesus says, when you know me, I am the divine creator. I'm the one that knits you together in your mother's womb. Do you know who I am? It will help you understand whose you are. Others of us, we have a self-esteem problem, but it's in the other direction. We are pretty excited about ourselves and excited for everybody else to get to know us. If you would just get to know me, you could be blessed too. The more I see of Jesus, the more I go, oh, Jesus, that's you. That's, that's not me in and of myself. I want that. You can put that in me. Help me, Jesus. It'll not only change my self-talk, it'll change the way I talk to my family. It'll change the way I talk in my church, God help us. It'll change the way we talk to the world. Second question. Daily asking, Jesus, who are you to me? That helps me be surrendered daily. Daily asking the question to myself that Jesus asked. Do you understand what I'm doing? This passage of scripture, Jesus is with the disciples. Jesus is going to wash their feet. Remember that? Peter, I love Peter. I'm sure he didn't understand it. All the others don't understand it. And, and, And he says, don't wash my feet, Lord. You are the son of God. You are the king of kings. I know who you are. And Jesus says, hey, hey, hey. if you don't let me wash your feet, then, then you, you won't have any part of me. Well, then Jesus, wash my ears, wash my nose, wash my ankles, wash my elbows, wash every part of me. And, and then, and then he, he just says, do you even understand what I've done for you? Do you even see what I am doing? I'm modeling for you what a life of service looks like. Friend, daily, what would it look like for you to look Go on a God hunt and see where Jesus is. Discipline your mind and and look and say, okay, is that truly good? If that's truly good, it may be Jesus. Brady, I want to know specifically, how do I live this surrendered life daily? Friend, daily take your thoughts, your emotions, and your desires captive and let Jesus speak truth to them by focusing on who Jesus is to you today. What is it that he's doing It's not just being grateful and kind of being a light-hearted person and I want to count my blessings, name them one by one. That's a good thing to do. Something happens. But Jesus says when we find what he's doing, he calls us to be obedient in that. I told a number of you, uh, I think on a Sunday night, that oh, a bunch of years ago we bought a silver Honda Odyssey minivan. I didn't want to buy a minivan. I wanted to buy a Jeep Wrangler. But what was best for the family is to have more seats for a minivan. So we bought a silver Honda Odyssey minivan. And uh, I went out to the Walmart parking lot to find this new vehicle that I parked somewhere. I forgot where I parked it. And so I started looking for the silver Honda Odyssey minivan. And I discovered the parking lot is littered with them. They are everywhere. I couldn't tell which one was mine. It was new. And so I, I didn't really have any scratches or dents that I knew was awesome. And so I just did, where is my car? And I'm trying to do the clicker and try to find it. And, and it dawned on me. When did everybody go buy a silver Honda Odyssey minivan? Did it happen overnight? Was there this big sale that I wasn't aware of? I didn't get that great of a sale. And where, where did this happen? No, they had been there all along. But when I had trained my eyes to look for that silver Honda Odyssey minivan, I could see them everywhere. Something happens daily when I surrender to him, when I discipline myself to see, Jesus, what are you doing? Now, here's what happens. Many Christians never do this, and they functionally live their life as if Jesus is dead. Or at least distant and doesn't care for them. Because we begin to think, well, I'm sure God does some things, but not in my life. 
well, he can do the big, huge things, but he's not concerned about the details of my life. And if we live that way, we don't have relationship with Jesus the way he wants us to. And we miss out on what a daily life of surrender looks like. If I begin to see what he's doing, yes, it makes me thankful. Yes, it's worship and praise. But it's also leading me to obedience. Jesus, I saw you encourage that person. Could I join you in that? Could I be an encouragement too? I saw you give hope to that person over there. Could I join you and be a mouthpiece for hope too? I saw you, Jesus, and you gave courage to that person to stand up for truth. Jesus, could I stand up for truth like that too? I saw you in that situation where there was no compromise and there was purity. Jesus, could I, could I join you in that and not compromise and have purity as well? And something happens when I live a surrendered life. He's in the power seat. I'm there taking every thought, every feeling, every desire captive and, and letting him speak truth to it. Let's go to question three. This is, how do I daily do this? I look to who Jesus is in my life. What is he doing? And third, I, I look at the question of listening to him. In Matthew 17, 5, we see the transfiguration take place. And, and Jesus is there before the disciples. And, and they, they're in awe of some of their forefathers who are there as well. And, and, and they're saying, let's, let's build tents and camp out here. And right in the middle of their speech about loving to be in the presence of Jesus, the voice from heaven says, This is my Son with whom I'm pleased. Listen to Him. Well, Jesus didn't really speak like that. And John 15, Remain in me and I'll remain in you. Obey what what I'm telling you. I will tell you everything the Father says to me. We are to hear Jesus speak to us, friends. If not... What do we do with this Bible? It becomes a, a list of exceptions. Well, he did it for them and did it for them and, and did it for them, but he doesn't do it today. Well, it, it had to work that way. Friends, this is a book not of exceptions, but of examples of who Jesus is and what he does. Why did that student ask this question? Why should I care about how to live a daily surrendered life? You want the conflict out of your life? You want peace in your life in the midst of a storm like this week? Remain in Jesus and he will give you that peace. He will give you that victory. And when I listen to him, something happens. The more I listen to him, the more I understand his voice. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us in his word. He speaks to us in a still small voice. He speaks to us through other brothers and sisters. Brady, I'm, I'm struggling with knowing if that's Jesus speaking or if that's Taco Bell that I ate. Is that Jesus speaking or is that just my own self? I really want that or I don't want that. How do I know the difference? Well, the cool thing is Jesus calls us to this daily life. This isn't just a one-time thing. It's, it's every single day. We're practicing the presence of Jesus. I get to live a surrendered life every single day. And part of this is, is learning some filters, okay? So I forgot my filters in my office. Remind me to get them next week. Just, just imagine a coffee filter, okay? How many coffee drinkers in this room? Oh, you're weird people. How many people don't drink coffee because it tastes nasty? Raise your hand. You're my kind of people. Now, I love the way coffee smells. It just tastes like dirt. Now, that's a whole side thing. You can be mad at me for that, whatever. But I love the visual that a coffee filter gives to me because I want to hear Jesus, not Brady. I want to hear Jesus, not popular opinion. And so the first filter I use to to strain the thought through, the, the thing through there, is what I call the yellow and red flags. Jesus will not say anything to me in a still small voice or through his word or through another brother or sister that contradicts his word that he's already given to us. Okay? Those are red flags. I don't have to pray today 
if I should murder somebody. God's word is very clear. You shall not murder. If I would sense something about murder or something about lying or something that God's been very clear, he's already spoken, he's not going to give me an instruction that, that contradicts his word already. Red flag, pull it out and go, it's something else other than Jesus. I want pure Jesus. Yellow flag in that filter is something that's like, well, I'm not so sure. And I want to pray on that. I want to think on this because it didn't quite sound like Jesus. So Jesus, I'm not dragging my feet to be disobedient, but I want only pure Jesus. So help me with this, Lord. I want to listen to you. I want to listen to you, Lord. And so if it gets caught in the filter, I stay there and wait on him. That's important. But I think a lot of us, that's not the main filter we struggle with. Set that filter aside. The one that's right underneath it, it's the one that I've entitled, Is It For Me, Jesus? Because sometimes we can... We can read something in Scripture, or we can think a thought, or, or someone may say something to us that that's not a red flag, not a yellow flag. It, it squares with Jesus, but it may not be exactly what Jesus is saying to us today. We don't have to make it up. You don't have to prime the pump. You don't have to try to fake it till you make it. Jesus was in the beginning with God, and he spoke, and the world came into existence. He wants to speak to you. He will, and you will know it. How do I live a daily life surrendered to him? Focus on who he is. Look at what he's doing and join him there. And listen to him. He will speak to you. Jesus, is this for me? I'll have another time when I can talk to you about how to do that if you're struggling there. But the fourth question that Jesus asks to his disciples, he asks to us, it's here in John 21, 15. Jesus is talking to Peter. We've talked about this a number of times in the last six months. Jesus says, Peter... Do you supremely love me? Yes, I friendship love you, Jesus. It was obvious that Peter's love was not where it should be. But Jesus says, I can work with that. Care for and feed my sheep. Second time, Jesus says, do you supremely love me? Yes, I friendship love you, Jesus. Once again, obvious his love was not where it should be, but he says, I can work with that. Then care for and feed my sheep. The third time, Peter, do you even friendship love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I friendship love you. Then care for and feed my sheep. Jesus is saying, if you love me, then obey me. Now hear this. I cannot live a life surrendered to Jesus day by day if I'm not obedient to Jesus day by day. Oh, that's good. how, How do I live daily surrendered to Jesus? Obey him daily. Now I've done an experiment. And it's not conclusive. But it's close. Many, 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 many people who love Jesus. If you ask them the question, what has Jesus asked you to be obedient in today? Often you get this. I don't know. Now, if it's because of the way the question is phrased, then who cares? Because it's not about the way this question is phrased. But if you ask it another way, or another way, or if it's just you catch them on a bad day, then, then who cares? But if it's one day, two days, five days, seven days, ten days, one month, six months, twelve months, what is Jesus asking you to be obedient today? I don't know. We miss out on what it means to live a surrendered life and have life to the full. Friends, Jesus told us a couple weeks ago in, in John four thirty four, My food, Jesus says is to obey the will of my Father. Remember that? Okay, so the disciples are seeing Jesus in the the throngs of ministry, and they come to him, and they say, Eat, Jesus. I have dreamed of that moment in ministry my whole life. 
when my congregation would come to me and say, Brady, eat food. We've got all kinds of organic chocolate. We've got raisins. We've got almonds. Eat up. And you did that on Pastor Appreciation Sunday a couple weeks ago. And it felt so good. Eat it. Our our body naturally says, I'm hungry. It's time to eat. I feel depleted. But Jesus said, guys, I have food that you don't know of. And their first thought was, who went and got a fish? Who, who has a secret stash of bread? What's going on? And he says, guys, 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 my food, what nourishes my soul is to do the will of the Father. Now hang with me, friends. You're doing such a good job. Why should I care for and feed the sheep that Jesus says it's obedient to him? If we have a skewed idea of obedience, here's what I think happens to a lot of us. Somehow, growing up, we've had this idea that I am not a good boy, I'm not a good girl, if, if my authority has to say, hey, 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 I need to correct you. And sometimes God's will is correcting us, but we, we live our life as, as Ned Nazarene and Nancy Nazarene, and, and I think sometimes because of our strong heart for a holiness doctrine, that I don't have to stay stuck in willful disobedience day in and day out, and that is so true. And I can live a life victory over willful disobedience, being sanctified holy. It doesn't mean it's impossible for me to be willfully disobedient. It's possible in his strength that I don't have to be willfully disobedient. All that is true. But I'm afraid, friends, sometimes because of that great truth, we've slid into this understanding that, well, if I'm a good, sanctified, set-apart, surrendered daily Christian, there's no obedience because I'm not doing anything bad. God, help us. That's where I think we have the Christians who have obeyed enough so they don't go to hell. I'm not saying that they don't love Jesus. I'm not saying that Jesus is not in their heart. But friends, I am saying when we resist daily obedience to Jesus, you're resisting the nourishment and food he wants to give to you. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm just not fed in that ministry. I'm just not fed in that place. I just don't feel fed today. You know what goes up in my mind? Oh, it's an obedience issue. Friends, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. God, help us. We live daily surrendered, friends. When every moment, it's about what Jesus wants. My food, my nourishment is not what I know. It's not how creative it was presented to me. It's not how trendy my body of believers is that I run with. It's not how excited and how high someone jumps when they worship. It's about how when they hit the ground that they say, Jesus, I want to be obedient to you. What is the litmus test of a life that is daily surrendered to Jesus? It's a life that daily obeys Jesus. So therefore, what is he saying to me? Who are you, Jesus? What are you doing, Jesus? What are you saying to me in your word in a still small voice? What are you saying to me through other brothers and sisters? Teach me how to use the filters because I want to obey. And when I obey, he feeds my soul. Oh, that is good nourishment for us, friends. And finally, the last piece here, and we'll be through. The fifth question that Jesus asks that can help us live a life surrendered to him daily 
is when he's talking in John 11, 17 through 26. He's talking to Lazarus' family. And remember, they said, he's sick, he's sick, come. And Jesus doesn't come on their timetable. And, and they have faith for him. And Jesus, you can, you can solve the situation. And Lazarus dies. And then Jesus says, do you believe that I have resurrection power, that even now I can help? Friends, if we begin to take this seriously and, and thank God for a student who says, don't just give me the bumper sticker understanding of a surrendered life. Don't just give me the idea that it's a second trip to the altar. Friends, it is a crisis moment when I say yes to Jesus. And you can have the, the lordship of every area of my life, but it continues to go on. If we are saved and we are sanctified and then petrified for the rest of our days till we get to heaven and we just lay there dead, you may be drinking the ensure, have enough nutrients so you don't die, but you're not thriving and having life to the full the way that Jesus expected. And he wants to give that to you. And, and you find trials and tribulations. And we wonder why we have doubt. We wonder why we, we feel so afraid. And we wonder why we have these things. And Jesus says, I told you, you will have trouble in this world. But remain in me and I will give you peace. How? Daily do these things. But if we do all this and we don't depend on his resurrection power, we become legalists. I know so much about who Jesus is. You would be blessed to just stand next to me. I have eyes that can see Jesus move and work. Because the more you see him, the better at it you get at finding him. Which is true. But you should be blessed to just be close to me. I have degrees and experience in listening to God through his word. And if you would just get close enough to me and a little bit of my brains would dump out on you, then you would be blessed. I have obeyed and kept the law so many ways that when you're bored, I've offered to Netflix to videotape my life and you could just watch me and just eat popcorn and be blessed. Pride gets all over us, friends. Despair gets on us. Those who are honest, we go, I tried this. I still feel afraid. I tried this. I still feel angry. I tried this, I still can't forgive. I tried this, and, and I'm still sinking in the waves around me. And Jesus says, do you believe I am the key? I have resurrection power in your life. Pastor Brady, I, I know what you're talking about. This is that journal thing you, you preached on a couple, couple months ago, and I don't journal. Then don't journal, friend. Have a relationship with Jesus. Well, I don't think about it in five questions. Then don't think about it in five questions. But, but, but have a relationship with Jesus. Because we live, surrender daily to Him, every single day being obedient to Him. So I ask you, what is Jesus asking you to be obedient in to feed the sheep of yourself today? Specifically, what is He asking you to feed the sheep of your family today? It's obedience. You feed them, not from your intellect, not from your wisdom, by being obedient to Jesus. It fed His soul when He was obedient to the Father. It will feed your soul. What is it that you're hearing from Him? I can't hear God speak. Well, let's practice it together. Get, get in a relationship with someone that you can practice together. Listening through his word. Listening to a still small voice. Scripture says we can have the mind of Christ. He speaks to us in our thoughts. Either the word is true or it's not true. Well, I was around somebody one time and they kept saying, Thus saith God, and it seemed strange, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. And I don't want to be a holy weirdo like them. Then don't be a holy weirdo like them. We don't need to blame the Holy Spirit for things he's not saying. But just because somebody has missed it and it's not pure Jesus, it's 
mostly them, why do we go to the other end of the spectrum and say, well, God doesn't speak that way anymore? Well, then get rid of John 15 then. He wants to speak to us and be encouraged. Friend, if I had every ability that I wish I had, I'd want to reach to your shoulders and look you in the eyes and say, expect this world to be bad. Expect people around you to disappoint you. But in Jesus, you can have peace. Be encouraged. Be of good cheer. Take heart. Because Jesus has overcome the world. We will see ourselves differently. You will see each other differently. What happens if we start wearing grace glasses and I look at you and I would say, I see Jesus in you and I see Jesus in you and then all of a sudden I start loving you at a different level? What do you do when you look at somebody and you say, that doesn't look like Jesus? You just go, yeah, John 3.30 in my life. I'm not looking to, to you, I'm looking to Jesus. Yes. So if I don't see Jesus there in that moment, then I look somewhere else. Jesus, where are you? I'm going to get my eyes fixed on you, Jesus. Hey, by the way, because the sermon's like done in 120 seconds. Um, you want to know where our church is going? I hope that you've heard me say this a thousand times, and you're going to hear it 10,000 more times. This is not Brady's church. That's a good place for some of you to say amen. <laughs> this is not your church either. This is not any board's church. I am thankful for a denomination who helps us and we are a faithful part of it. It's not their church either. This is Jesus' church. It's not just the church. Your life is not yours. It's not your spouse's. It's not your kids'. It's not your employers. It's not the government's. It's Jesus' life. And when we start living together, Jesus, who are you? The King of kings, the Holy One who is holy other, the One who is the Alpha and Omega, who knows everything, who sees everything, who's everywhere at the same place, I begin to say, you are a holy God that wants to talk to me. And we begin to see that He's working and He's using us to work with each other. there's, There's hope there and He wants to speak to us and He calls us to obedience. I don't know if I can do it. The best place we can be is when we say, I don't know if I can do it because I can depend on his power. Now, when we come into this room next week, imagine with me if 100% of us said, I'm here to lift up who he is. I'm here to see reports of what he's been doing. What if that took over the conversation in the foyer? It's not, what did you think of that Sunday school lesson? Did you have any thoughts on the brand of coffee that we're using this week? How do we feel about the ratio of powdered donuts to glazed donuts? What if we had jelly-filled donuts? That would have been helpful. It's not conversation about bicycles and gearing of bicycles and how fun it is to ride 40 miles to the state line and come back. What if our conversation was... Let me tell you what I saw Jesus do. Here's what he did. Here's what he specifically did. And we get excited together. We go, oh my goodness, I see Jesus. We talk to another person. We see what Jesus did. And then we get honest. We go, I'm not seeing him anywhere. Well, let me tell you where I see him. This is your Jesus too. Take, take heart. Be encouraged. And we come in and this is who you are. This is what you're doing. I'm ready to hear from you. But we don't just get all excited. Would you feed me in a way that I've never ever been fed before? Would you, would you dish up the word in a way that can just make me laugh and cry and get excited all in the 13-minute block of time? 
Or we'd say, Jesus, I want to have ears that hear to obey. And would, would you give me the power to obey? You know what will happen? Jesus will come in your life. Not because I say so. Because he said so. In fact, I don't think we're supposed to do anything until that happens. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. Acts 2.4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a second trip of the altar. It was Acts 4.31, it's the same group of people. Either they all backslid and had to get re-sanctified, or there's a refilling of the Holy Spirit. There's a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with His power. And that great commission over there started to happen. No loving Jesus daily, no, no great commission. No relationship and obedience daily, no great commission. No desire to hear God speak in a way to obey daily, no power in the life, no power in the church. But Jesus wasn't pessimistic. He said, I told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. Make sure you remember, in this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus, I thank you for my friends who have given great attention to your word. Jesus, I ask again that anything that I have shared that is not helpful to what you are speaking specifically to them, would you let it fall quickly from their ears? Jesus, filter it out. We want to hear you, pure you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're offering hope to someone today. That it can't be Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. There is help daily. I thank you, Jesus, that you not only make it possible, you make it fun to live a life daily surrendered to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? If you're here today and any of this has piqued your interest, but you go, I still don't know how to do it. I'm going to skip lunch today and hang out with whoever who wants to just do this for 59 minutes. So I don't want you to skip your class that you're probably going to. But right after second service, we're going to find a room, which I did not reserve. We'll find one that's open and apologize to the office because I didn't reserve one. And we'll hang out and we'll just do this for about 59 minutes. If, if God's not leading you to do that, then, then don't worry about that. That's okay. I don't have lunch provided. I have food. We'll be fed. But if that's you, so I know how to plan, you just come in just a moment and come let me know. Say, hey, I want to meet with you for 59 minutes. Then I'll go, go about my day. Just the one time gathering after second service. If you want to do that, if, if God says, I, I'm hungry and I'm just not quite sure how to do that, I'd love to talk with you. There's many of you here today, you go, no, pastor, I got it. <laughs> I'm seeing it. I know what he's wanting me to do. As you go in obedience today, know that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available to you. The strength to go be obedient daily is available to you. But Satan hates it. Go in the power of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. May God bless you. You're dismissed. Go in his peace.